whimsical, so unpredictable Here on the SNL Network Yes, welcome on in everybody to the Saturday Night Network for another edition of our Monday Night Roundtable coming to you after the Dakota Johnson and Justin Timberlake episode of Saturday Night Live. John here from the SNN, very excited to talk through everything from this episode. I feel like so many storylines came out of this week, so I'm really pumped to get into them. I think we have a lot more to talk about than last week's show, so it's going to be a good one. Get ready, and I'm excited to see your thoughts in the chat if you're joining us live tonight as well. So let's bring in our panelists that we have here tonight, and first up is the great Bill Kenny. Bill, how are you? John, I am great. Uh, I'm so excited that I'm on this week and not last week. Uh, there's a lot more to talk about, and uh, I'm on with Rich Tackenberg, which uh, for those trivia buffs, we were on the very first roundtable on SNL Stats, Chris Rock episode, season 46, and John, you thought we did so well together that you waited three and a half years to bring us back together. So I can't decide if we're Justin Timberlake and Jimmy Fallon coming back to SNL or if we're O'Donohue and Belushi. I don't know if you have a choice, Rich, but... <laughs> Well, let's bring in Rich Sackenberg then to talk through this all. So, Rich, how are you? I'm good. You know, I'm assuming that there's a large percentage of the SNN uh, audience fan base that thinks Bill and I are the same person. So this is a <laughs> reminder that we're actually two different people. Yeah, I can't. I, I honestly could not believe that the two of you have not been on a show together. You've been on so many shows here over like the 300 something, 350 something shows that we've done. Uh, it's been a, that long. And honestly, it's because you're both so great that I, I like to separate the greatness. But it's good to have you both together. That's how you know we're going to have a great show here tonight. And of course, we couldn't do this all without another great panelist joining us tonight. And that is Zoe Walker. Zoe, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm excited to be talking to these guys. I feel like I'm talking to the SNL like mega brain and you guys all know like way more than I ever could. So I'm excited to learn a lot. Is that is that code for old, Zoe? <laughs> yes, it's yeah. code for old. <laughs> I know what, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, look, you, you don't have to know everything about Saturday Night Live to watch the show. We like getting, you know, different types of panelists and people who maybe have just watched the last few years versus some who have watched it for decades, like our other two panelists here tonight. So it is very exciting to have everyone on here to talk through uh, a show that brought in hosts who had previously been on in different eras. Uh, let's start with Dakota Johnson, who hosted previously right after the 40th anniversary of Saturday Night Live. I remember Dakota Johnson coming in. Everyone was, you know, 50 Shades of Grey uh, crazy at the time and excited to see her at the show. And she mentioned in the monologue, obviously, that she had this big moment during the 40th anniversary where she does that Q&A. And it's always like, well, you know, I'm the next person hosting the show. What's that going to be like? And that is an SNL trope that they've done for every anniversary show. And then she came on and I thought she was okay. I think she was given, if I remember correctly, a pretty hard time back in February of 2015 because she did an ISIS commercial, which is hard to find, I'm pretty sure, because there was a lot of controversy about it. And uh, that sort of was the you know big storyline coming out of the episode as opposed to Dakota Johnson, who I thought was okay and had some interesting energy. So I was excited to see Dakota back at the show. Let's talk through her first. Bill, what were your thoughts when they announced Dakota Johnson was going to be hosting the show? Uh, she would have been on the list of people I never thought would have come back. Uh, not that her episode wasn't great, uh, but 
there were it was a very moment in time, as you said, the ISIS, uh, which they kind of make a meta reference to that we might get to later on tonight. Uh, but, you know, yeah, the whole Fifty Shades of Grey, the, the Internet dress, the white and gold dress. There was a joke about that in that episode. Uh, Birdman. So there was a lot of net neutrality. So there was a lot of stuff that was very 2015. So to see her in modern times, you know, almost a decade later, come back. Uh, and I think she did. Uh, she was serviceable. I, I don't think she was the greatest. I don't know that we'll see her a third time. But yeah, she she did a good job and was game for everything. Yeah, and I was excited too because, uh, you know, this is a we posted a graphic on Instagram last week of all the family members who, um, you know, have their nepo truce going and can all host the show, you know, throughout the history. But you know, her mom hosted the show back in 1988, so that was really cool when she spoke about that in her first monologue. So, uh, you know, I didn't dislike Dakota Johnson on SNL, I think, as much as a lot of people. So I thought it would be really interesting to see her again. Rich, what did you think about the announcement when she was coming back? I was nervous. You know, we've talked about here a lot. I'm always a little nervous when a film actor or actress who doesn't have experience in front of a live audience is going to come in, even if they've done film comedy. Uh, and even though I think Dakota Johnson did an okay job, I remember the ISIS video actually being quite funny. It was a pre-tape. It was not a live sketch. So I think I had the same concerns that I had back in the 40. Now, I will say back in 40, as you alluded to, to host that show after the 40th was a, you're being set up to fail. There's no way that you can compete with the, the, the star power that came out of the 40th episode. So I think, I think she was sort of set up to fail, but I came into this a little bit nervous. Uh, and what I took away from it, and we'll, we'll talk about it in general, was I thought SNL did a very good job working with someone who was in fact not strong in live sketches. And I think that they did a good job making the most of having an actress who is talented in front of a film camera, but maybe is not as strong in live sketches. 100% agreed. I mean, she is such a dry sense of humor. And you saw that in some of the pieces tonight that we're going to talk about that it is maybe a little bit more difficult to write for her. And I don't know that the writers, you know, ended up coming through on you know some people's concerns about that so it's interesting to see i was hoping and i was i was very excited truth be told because i felt like the promo that they put out last week again a pre-taped thing but the promo they had with her walking around the studio made me feel like she was really game for anything so to me it, this was fun zoe were you excited when you saw dakota johnson hosting the show and what is your history with dakota I was really excited. Um, I was an actual child the first time she was on the show, so I don't really remember that. But um, to me, she, she's famous for, um, if any of you have seen her Architectural Digest video, where she had a huge bowl of limes on her table, and she said, I love limes. But it was a big lie because she's allergic to limes. I just thought that was like really great chaotic energy, and I love her humor. And then also I love her limey. because she Yes, she was okay. <laughs> I also love her because she was um she started beef with Ellen about inviting her to her birthday party. So I know a lot of like pop pop culture like niche things about her, so I was excited because I think she's a funny person, but um she did let me down a little bit. I should have been less excited. I should have been more wise as a child and known that she might not have been the best on SNL. Yeah, I 
wonder, and I was maybe given a, a couple clues to this when um, Justin Timberlake did an interview with Zane Lowe, a very famous radio DJ who you know often talks about new music. And JT has a an album coming out, and I got to watch it. And and Zane was asking um, JT like, "Why are you doing SNL again? Like, why are you coming back for the first time in a while?" And he was like, "Well, you know, I got the new album coming out. Like, there's a lot of really cool things um, that I want to do to promote it." And then he was like, "Well, everybody must be really excited. How come you're not hosting?" And he, JT sort of alluded to the fact that he was asked to host, but he chose to be the musical guest and it was just better timing for him at this point. So, you know, this is a very unique situation that we have in this episode. And I'm very curious, like Bill, Rich, uh, and Zoe, like your opinions on this, because like I can't think of another episode in SNL history where the musical guest is so prolific in terms of SNL compared to the host, perhaps like Paul Simon, but Paul Simon is really like, uh, like never like was an amazing host of the show. He sort of just like hosted by default at certain times, but I can't think of a situation where you have a host of the show who's there, who was like hosted before. So she's okay. It's not like this is another five timer. And then you have, you know, sort of the second headliner for the show who is celebrated in SNL streets as like being one of the better hosts in the history of the show is a five-timer, had a huge five-timers club moment, opened up SNL 40. Like we're talking about a legend of the show. So it's, you know, it's kind of tough for Dakota because she puts herself in a position here where she's not going to get the headlines no matter what happens on this episode, I think. So Bill, I am curious what your thoughts on that are on that. And then Justin Timberlake returning to the show altogether. I think the only other time in recent history would probably be Miley with Elon Musk, right? Uh, but and, different, and right? Was, it, it was definitely different because I think the fear was that he was just going to implode. Uh, and you needed to have this backup, uh, you know, surefire host that could come in. I don't think that was the concern with Dakota. But yeah, I mean, as far as the musical guest outshining the host, I think that's probably the most recent uh, event of that. But, but as far as Justin, I mean, been so excited. I, I I'm not even going to compare what you felt because <laughs> I know what a big fan you are, but he, he is way up there for me as well. Uh, he is probably the best host in the last 20 years. So to not have him for the last decade at all, not even as a musical guest, not in a cameo, uh, and to have him finally come back was just such a great thing. Uh, I know we all wanted him to host as opposed to just being a musical guest, but uh, I'm happy we got what we got and, and we got a lot from him as well. Yeah, and I definitely want to talk about, you know, Justin Timberlake's legacy at SNL because, you know, if we don't do it now, we I don't know when we will. Um, but first, Rich, let me get your opinion on J JT being the musical guest, like, you know, versus Dakota hosting and how that may have affected the overall show. Yeah, as you were as you were both saying, I I agree. It, it almost felt unfair to Dakota Johnson when I saw the announcement that she was so overshadowed by JT coming back. Um, and I don't know who you could have paired him with. Obviously, this was timing. I, in retrospect, having seen the show, I almost wondered if it was engineered to have sort of a backup host is, is the way that Bill was saying. Although I think between Man and Web and his album, I do think it was just a matter of timing. But uh, so I agree with, I, I, I did feel bad, but I did, uh, agree with uh, why I, I don't want to say this. I do think it's smart these days, given that the show is more watched digitally, that if you are a, if you are promoting an album or if you're promoting a new release, it is better to be in a sketch or two than to be in every single sketch of the night and do two songs. And I think we see that more with people like Taylor Swift who are realizing 
unless you're just promoting yourself or you want to have a good time, then come and be the host and the musical guest. But if your goal is for the story to be, wow, those songs were great, do one sketch do a cameo, but don't be in every single sketch. So I think he made the right career move to do it this way so that it would focus on the music and not him as a comedian because he's just great on the show. I mean, and it's it would be hard not to spend a lot of time talking about him and a little time talking about his music had it had he been the host. It's a very good point. Zoe, what do you think of that? Um, I mean, that makes sense to want to promote the music as opposed to him as a host. But I really think the reason he wasn't the host for this episode is his bad PR. Like people are buying Britney Spears songs just to top his new releases. So I think people just really hate him and SNL didn't want to take the risk. Yeah. See, I, I, I will completely say that. I don't think that's the case. I think if, if SNL, first of all, SNL is not worried about bad PR. If that was the case, they wouldn't have had Dave Chappelle walk up on the good nights this week. So, um, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's like for sure. They wouldn't be booking the Donald Trump's and the Elon Musk's of the world. Like I think that they honestly, I'm not gonna say they don't care, but I just think that they, um, they're such an institution that they, you know, are don't really, that doesn't phase them. Um, you know, the, you know, I, I will say, like, I, I don't really want to get into the Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears stuff here. I don't know that we're like the platform that, for that type of thing, because, um, look, uh, it, it, you know, there's more stuff even today, like with Britney Spears, like, uh, you know, quote unquote, apologizing to Justin Timberlake and saying that she loves his music. Like this stuff has been in a storyline for months and months and months that have followed uh, JT and Britney. I, I think when it comes to SNL, when it comes to the bookings, they are focused on like Justin Timberlake on Saturday Night Live. And JT on the show is like uh, an identity of his own that isn't necessarily one that falls out of the show. Um, you know, it's just interesting. I want to talk about the legacy of Justin Timberlake just on Saturday Night Live for a few minutes because I, I, I mentioned this on Saturday a little bit. Back in 2003 when JT hosted for the first time, I strongly believe that was one of the biggest uproars that I've seen prior to an episode of a host announcement of being like, why are we doing this? Why are we getting this like teeny bopper um, host to come in? I don't think anybody was excited. I remember like reading news articles and on chat forums of people being like, this is a horrible booking. And he came on and I've never seen a host like slay like all the haters as quickly as him. And I just find like I've seen that and maybe this is because I'm such a fan of him. I've just find like every time between his hosting appearances, people are always like shitting on JT. And then he comes out and he hits like grand slams every time. And it reminds people like, oh, yeah, Justin Timberlake is a great SNL host. And like there's just not many people personally that I think are above him as far as like just full well-roundedness as an SNL host. Some of the episodes he hosted where he's doing double duty. He is like, it is a show unlike like any other. Like there's only several, there's only like a handful of hosts in SNL history that can like take over a night in that way. And that may not be your thing. But for me, I was absolutely amazed every time Justin Timberlake hosted the show. So to get him back at the show is truly something I actually thought I would never see again. Because my argument over the last few years to get him in a potential SNL Hall of Fame was always shot down by the fact that he was a part of one era of the show. And guess what? He came back. So I was thrilled about it. Want to get all of your thoughts. Rich, you look very excited to jump in here. So let me go to you first. Well, I remember vividly. I, this will not shock you. I have never been the hugest sync fan. I'm too old for the Mickey Mouse Club. Uh, when Justin Timberlake was announced in 2003, my uh, my attitude was, huh, boy. You were that and person. 
I was that I was the epitome of like, oh Jesus. Ugh. And he crushed it. He was so good. I was like, all right. That and I remember feeling that way when Bruno Mars hosted, but not not as much. I mean, he was so good. And and I see it again, you know, when Dakota Johnson and I and I'm gonna bring it back to Justin, but I will say the point I was gonna make about Dakota Johnson as relative to JT is I don't think that she struggled because she has a dry sense of humor. I don't think that she is has enough experience in front of a live audience. And what I saw is when she was doing the monologue Saturday night, it was very okay. She was trying, she was game, but she doesn't have it. When Justin Timberlake walked onto that stage, his magnetic energy before he said a word was far superior than what most guest hosts can do with words. And then when he started, he was, I was just like, Oh, he was, I feel like he was genetically engineered to host Saturday night live. And, and we saw that again last night or Saturday night. hundred percent here. Let me play that line. When uh, he comes in, if you want me to be in sketches, I, I, I have I have, I have hosted before. And it gets the five times behind her. And yeah. I, I totally agree. Honestly, it does from like that type of thing that he did in the monologue this week reminds me a lot of what like Steve Martin used to do. Like when Steve Martin, he, he would like, he hosted a lot in the first few years of the show, Bill. And then he didn't come back for a while and he would make all these cameo appearances. And like every time he came on, it's like, whoa, Steve Martin's hosting the show? Like, or is, is cameoing at the show? Like, that was crazy. And like, that sort of was like JT, that type of thing, like walking to a sketch. That was the magnetism that I got. So how did you feel about it? Oh, 100%, both of you. I, I think uh, to to kind of build on what Rich is saying, like when I say, I like to say the two things in the last 20 years that have surprised me the most. If you would put me in a time machine to like 1999 and said, the kid from NSYNC is going to be the best host you're going to see over the next 20 years. And that kid from all that is going to be on the show longer than anybody in the history of the show. I would have said, you're crazy. You're on crack. And, and it's true. Like he is, and to put him above somebody, I don't know if you can put him above a Steve Martin, a Buck Henry, and Alec Baldwin, but the fact that he does come in and do double duty, does do everything on the show, and he has some all-time classic episodes. Uh, his first two, especially, I think, are all-time classics. Uh, so, yeah, I, I to, to hear that audience reaction when he said he could be in sketches was palpable, and uh, we don't get that a lot these days other than them turning on the audience applause sign. Uh, so to, to get an, a real reaction from the crowd like that uh, is very rare. Yeah, and as far as I'm concerned, like there is a big four when it comes to hosts with Alec Baldwin, Steve Martin, Tom Hanks, and John Goodman, who I think span eras and just really are like the hosts of all hosts from this show. Um, I do think that JT is probably in that next category with like a Christopher Walken, um, you know, perhaps a, a Buck Henry, a Scarlett Johansson, Drew Barrymore, like those types that have, you know, sort of had their own, um, you know, areas at the show where they've really dominated. Zoe, what are your thoughts on Justin Timberlake on Saturday Night Live? Um, I mean, he's like a once in a generation type performer, singer, dancer, actor, charisma, all of that. Um, he didn't impact my life as much as you guys. So it wasn't like, it was like, oh, Justin Timberlake. Cause I feel like whenever I think of SNL, my whole life, he has been associated with it. So it's like, duh, obviously. So I was just like, okay, he's coming. That's, I feel like that's what he's supposed to do. So I didn't feel any deep 
excitement or deep connection to him, but um, I knew he was going to put on a good show and be in some sketches one way or another. Yeah, I'll say one last thing before we move on to the the episode is that um, I think, you know, obviously, I, w- I was a big NSYNC fan, um, love Justin Timberlake's music and really enjoyed a lot of the media that he's put out, um, followed his career for sure. I think the thing that I always loved about him on SNL beyond the fact that he created great sketches and iconic moments was he has a deep reverence for the show that not many other hosts have. Like he's there and he is the type of host that has actually gone and watched and fell in love with like the seventies of Saturday Night Live. And like when he and Andy Samberg like get together and they're going to bring the dick in a box guys onto a game show with the two wild and crazy guys that comes out of a love for the show with him and Jimmy Fallon. And like, that's, you know, that's why I, I resonate with the, the, you know, connection that Justin and Jimmy have. And like, you know, that, that flows down to my love for the show. So for me, um, it was just a very, very exciting Saturday night to get to see him back at the show, even if it was just a little bit. So, yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say off the top before we get into the episode? I will float the 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 theory that maybe he did not want to host because he uh, is of the generation of Jimmy Fallon and Andy Samberg, and as someone who's in his early 40s, doesn't feel as comfortable playing with people that are almost half of his age. I don't know it to be true, but I would say that is another credible theory as to why he's not jumping in. And in when we did see him, he was not with, uh, he was really with the people of his generation. Uh, yeah, I, I will hope that maybe he got to bond with some cast members and I actually got some word that he, that like the cast really loved Justin Timberlake. A lot of people who didn't know him before said he's super cool. Um, so I heard that today and like, I I hope that they bonded a little bit together so that next year at the 50th, we may actually get a Justin Timberlake hosted appearance because if you're going to bring back some legendary hosts from the show, that's the time to do it. Cause then you can, you know, have the cast, you can bring in some cameos. seems like the perfect thing. So, um, let's get into our episode that we saw here on Saturday night and let's talk about the cold open. So a very different cold open than what we've gotten in recent times. This time we get the NFL on, on CBS cold open. So it was interesting to talk about this on Saturday, the day before this game actually happened. Now we're the day after it happened. So let's look back to uh, the day where it is the most exciting day if you are a fan of the NFL. This is uh, something that I've has discussed with my friends many times, which was sort of the premise of this sketch, which is like, this is our day. And, you know, yesterday I was watching football with some guys that like I always watch the playoffs with. And we were talking about uh, what we're going to do for the Super Bowl. And they were like, okay, so I think we're going to go to this person's house and like all significant others are invited. And then we started to get into discussion. We're like, oh, like, well, if significant others are invited, like, is this going to be like in a few years, are we going to start having like kids there and stuff like that too? And it turned into a whole like rabbit hole of like, oh yeah, the Super Bowl is no longer a game for us. Like that was our day. The final, you know, the semifinals of the (laughs) football is our day. So I thought the concept here was really fun. Bill, I'd love to hear what you thought of the NFL on CBS cold open that we got. Much the same as you. Uh, it's it's so relatable. It's probably the most relatable cold open I, I've seen for myself in a long time. And, and it's true. I've, I've hosted a Super Bowl party for many, many years. And the kids are there and the spouses are there and, and the people not knowing how many points a touchdown is worth. And so, yeah, this is the last moment. Uh, we've had 18, 20 weeks of you know, football as fans, you know, I'm a big baseball guy as well. So I've got a few weeks until I can start watching spring training games, but that's not even the same. That's not sitting down watching football for seven or eight hours. So uh, it's really kind of a depressing time of year. Uh, 
and uh, they they hit all the notes. I, I think Dismukes as Tony Romo was fantastic. Uh, I love uh, Devin Walker continuing his hot streak the last couple weeks. Uh, I think he did a great Nate Burleson. Um, yeah, we, we got a lot of good stuff here. Keenan uh, with the meta reference to nothing uh, being funny or not nothing being worthwhile watching live except for football these days. So uh, a lot of really, really good stuff in this. I really enjoyed this one a lot. I actually think Keenan was the star of this cold open with some of the line deliveries that he had here. So you just mentioned this one, Bill. There's no other live TV that's even remotely watchable. <laughs> some people would agree with you uh keenan uh but i thought he also had some really other good lines where um you know this one where they're talking about the pro Tim, bowl i have been covering football for 30 years and i have never once watched the pro bowl just i think you know this was like this was some on fire best type of keenan line delivery stuff that we got i want to go to zoe next zoe what did you think of this are you a sports fan did you enjoy it um not a sports fan. The Super Bowl is actually the only time in my life I can think of that I've seen football on purpose. Um, so I'm not grieving the loss of football, but I understand the concept and I thought it was clever. Um, the connection I had was the Fast and Furious joke and the song. I was, I'm was i a huge fan of the Fast and Furious franchise. I have PowerPoints explaining my love for it. Um, so I was like, okay, family. And then singing the song, it did make me sad because it makes me think of Paul Walker, but... Um, I thought it was kind of an interesting way to wrap it up. It felt chaotic or like TikTok humor to start singing a, that song. I don't know, silly, goofy. But but did that part work for you? Because I felt like that's the part where the cold open sort of fell off for me. It was like we were trying to force in a musical number here when the premise itself was good. I think what the reason it worked for me is because I'm so far removed from understanding being sad about football ending that the Charlie Puth song was like, Zoe, this is the part you understand. So wake up and pay attention. So I don't think it worked for me, but I think it like brought my attention back to the TV. All right, Rich, what did you think of our cold open this week? You know, I haven't been a, a sports fan in 30 plus years uh, and married to a baseball fanatic. So, you know, sort of married into it. I'll tell you why I like this so much. First of all, coming into the episode, I was so unbelievably pleasantly surprised earlier in the week when I was checking my Saturday Night Live network feed and saw an interview with Andrew Dismukes, which was just fantastic. And hearing him talk about one of his big goals is wanting to work with J.A.J. Moore. And then coming up on the screen is the two of them standing there to host the cold open. I was that immediately made me really, really excited by that. You know, I also what I really liked about this is, it, you know, very current eventy. But instead of here's a current event, let's just go down the beats of the current event and make, you know, very, you know, criticisms or jokes about specific things that happened. They used a current event to do a commentary on something. And so this idea of like, what are men, how men are so upset after this moment, while I didn't. I understood it. I didn't necessarily identify with it, but I empathized with it enough that so many of the jokes like, you know, when it's like, I wish that the that the ocean was filled with sugar instead of salt. Like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Just like talk to each other. That stuff resonated with me so much. And I, I always say this, that, that in 2024, Saturday Night Live 
can't be the first and best to the commentary on the specific thing that just happened in current events, but they can still be the elder statesman de facto authority of here's a thing we've noticed. And that how has no one talked about this before? To that extent, they crushed that. I don't know who any of these people are. I don't know. I don't know if that was a good Tony Romo or not. Um, but I love that. I love that they played with that. It felt long to me. It felt like it did run out of steam, but I did really enjoy it. And I also want to say, I love seeing J.A.J. as the straight man. I feel like that's a muscle we don't get to see him play. And I thought he was a really, really good anchor to this sketch without having to do much. So little long for me, but overall, I really liked it. Yeah, I uh, totally agree. I think that was the theme of the night personally for me was some really great ideas of things that you wouldn't normally think of. And then they try and push that forward. Um, did they execute on all of them? Probably not. But here I think was uh, probably above average compared to some of the other sketches we got tonight. So um, I was excited. And, and you did, by the way, Rich, that was another great Keenan line where, where and I saw somebody, I think it must have been a, a, one of the writers on Instagram, uh, did repost this line from Keenan because he delivered it so well. I wish instead of salt, the ocean was full of sugar. Just the, it, it was like he's doing a James Brown like uh, impression, but also it's there's Keenan in there. And, um, you know, I, I honestly say I think Keenan was having more fun in this cold open than I've seen him have in weeks like maybe going back to the Nate Bargatze episode and that cooking sketch or whatever, because it's been a long time since I've seen Keenan really deliver on the show. Um, and in a rare, rare cold streak for Keenan over the last few weeks compared to what we got in the last few years. So, um, but overall, feeling pretty good about the start of the show here. Let's get into the sketches that we really want to talk about from this episode, though. And Bill, I'm going to send it over to you for the sketch that you will make us talk about first. Yeah, I want to talk about uh, home video. So uh, I wasn't on last week with you guys at all, but uh, boy, the bowling sketch was so great. Can we just thank the heavens that Stephen Castillo is back on this show and he shows it for a second week in a row with home videos. Uh, the whole concept of, uh, you know, the, the remembrance and pulling out the VCR tapes and, and uh, watching and thinking you're going to watch this very warm uh video of uh finding out he's a father and it's actually a, a takeoff on the maury povich show and to go from i think they were made up a little bit too old mikey and dakota they looked like they were in their 70s uh so they clearly hadn't been that long but uh to to cut back to them in the 90s i would assume late 90s and mike everything was perfect like the outfits were perfect mikey with the dirt bag bowl cut and the the goatee and finding trying to find out if he's the father the everything about this was fantastic uh this is a sketch that you, you mentioned it a little bit where how has this not been done before this is such a brilliant idea to to be able to go back what what happened to all these kids who were announced on the maury povich show on the jerry springer show uh you know do they have normal lives are their parents together like so uh great concept great execution uh great escalation uh, this was the highlight of the night for me. I thought Mikey Day in this sketch had a all-time great performance. 
and you know this wasn't his sketch like typically when we get a great mikey performance it's in a mikey and streeter sketch this was a bulas castillo and fowley sketch which i think was really cool to get to see mikey just go all out here even former snl cast member ben stiller wrote on twitter and said this is such a funny sketch everyone in it and mikey day is an snl all-time great and you know for a guy who's been you know starting to like really you know take over analytically on the cast um you know, this is, uh, it's, it's again, been a few weeks since we've seen Mikey really dominate in a sketch. And I think that this was one of them for me. I loved every minute of this sketch. And I love the concept here. Bill, one of the things we did talk about on Saturday was SNL has covered every single type of talk show in pop culture. I cannot remember an SNL sketch that covered Maury Povich or Jerry Springer or anything like that. Can you? Uh, Jan did a Sally Jeff Jesse Raphael back in the okay, early that's 90s, close, yeah. but that's, that's about as close as we've gotten. Then they kind of leaned into the Oprah stuff and that was that. Yeah. We got an Oprah, we got morning shows like uh, Regis and Kelly. We got the view. Um, we've even gotten, uh, like Ellen and stuff like that, but really nothing like this. And that is, you know, partially why I just thought this was so much fun to get to see on the show. Rich, let's get your thoughts on the home videos pre-tape. You know, when they're, you know, finding videotapes and they're looking at moments and you're, you know, of course, all of our comedy nerd brains are going, where is this going? Where is this going? And to be so surprised like that is such a gift these days. And it was such a great surprise. I was so pleasant. I was so tickled at how they could take something that is fundamentally dated and out of vogue and make it so fresh at using this context. The idea, the context of I'm the now adult child that was, you know, in one of these episodes was so, how do I want to say this? There's many times on any sketch comedy show where someone has an idea for something that is past the their the expiration date, and there is a conceit why we're doing it today, but it's clearly just a reason to go back and make a fun of something. This was clearly not that. This was a commentary on those shows from back in the day in the moment. So I thought it was great. Mikey Day was great. Dakota Johnson, again, in a pre-tape, was very effective, and I thought she did a great job playing both the present-day mom. Um, and the, you know, and the woman who is sleeping around and, and, you know, and dancing around on the stage. So she was really great. I thought everything about this was great. I probably didn't love the ending, but that's kind of nitpicking in general. I thought all of this was really fun and also a really, really strong sketch. I think to your point, the casting in this sketch was perfect everywhere. Like Sarah Sherman, who was playing both, you know, the grandmother in the sketch or whatever, like the older woman in the sketch, and then also was able to deliver uh, this line. The entire time you were sleeping with my daughter, like you she were could also go sleeping with me. <laughs> Sorry, she can go with like to do both those things at the same time um, was really great. Like J.A.J. obviously playing Corey Dervich was really smart. Andrew Dismukes is the kid and then Marcelo is spooky. Like I just think everybody was really well casted for this sketch. It felt like a great production all around. Zoe, what did you think of the home videos pre-tape? Oh, I thought it was hilarious. Um, I think it's funny that you say, Rich, that it was an old concept because I think it was culturally relevant because on TikTok, it's like a big thing to look into people who've been on Dr. Phil or Maury mm. in the past and talk about where they are now. So I felt like it was just like an extension of my For You page, seeing like, oh, this is a commentary on what I'm seeing online right now. Um, I thought it was Mikey in his truest form. He was completely hilarious. He was dominating everything. Um, I think he carried it for me. Um, just like 
when he was screaming ugly baby and we got to see Andrew sitting on the couch uncomfortable. Um, I thought of the whole show. This is where uh, Dakota showed like the most dedication. You could see in her eyes as she was playing the mom, the older mom, that she was just having so much fun. So I thought it was a highlight of the show. Um, it was nice to see her comfortable. I She might have been more comfortable just because it was a pre-tape, um, but it definitely was a highlight. Zoe, this is why we need you on every show to just be able to tell us, like, where did this come from? Oh. I, and I, I have a question for Zoe because I'm confused. On my TikTok for your page, it's mostly hacks of how to clean your bathroom and magicians <laughs> doing close-up card magic. Am I seeing something different than you? Is that not what everybody watches on TikTok? No, sir. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. mine is cats because my daughter is uh, uh, watching. Oh, that's animal true. And, yes. uh. and, and I'm following Surprise Puppy, which is young girls being given puppies and, and breaking out in tears of joy, which, by the way, is the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. Yes, I was going to say yes. mine is all like golden retrievers, like just running. Yeah. So yeah. that's, <laughs> I guess. It's really brave of you guys to share your For You page. Those are really personal. Thank you for being vulnerable. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Of course, that's what we do here. Um, but yes, I, I, I did think that uh, Zoe brought up a line here that I just, I want to play for the audience in case you forget it, which was, uh, it was very funny. Ugly baby. Ugly baby. Ugly baby. Just the the idea, like on these, it's such a trope of these shows to get like all of these people involved. Like I do remember, um, there have been times where you know I've gone over to friends' houses. Like let's say we had like a bunch of people over, and we're like, oh, we want to watch something. Like what can we watch? And the idea had once come like come around. Like oh, why don't we watch like like a bunch of like funniest Jerry Springer moments or something like that, or funniest Maury Povich moments. And like when you watch a like filtered down version of like the best moments of these shows. It is so like batshit crazy that I think there's so much comedy to mine from these. So I really think that whether it was Bula or Castillo or Fally, um, you know, who put together like the specific tropes from these shows, I think that worked really well. Like all the way to the security guards, like who were just standing in the way, like blocking them from running into each other. Um, Mikey Day running and then getting like thrown into the wall and then like that being the reason why he has a cane. All those things were so well thought out. So to me, uh, again, pure highlight of the night, two for two with Castillo coming back week to week. Uh, throw in one final thought, which Joy reminded me. I am not a comedy writer, but I do believe most people writing this sketch, the obvious way to go is that the tape is found and the parents are horrified and are justifying and explaining the tape. What a chef's kiss that they were proud of being on that show. That added such a wonderful nuance to the back and forth that there was no explanation. It was just that it, it, it was so fun. I loved it. Absolutely. Completely agree. Okay, Rich, going to send it over to you for the sketch that you want to talk about. You know, I am uh, going to talk about another pre-tape, which is uh, Please Don't Destroy, the, 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 the roast with Dakota Johnson. Again, another great use of Dakota where we're doing her in a pre-tape. And as, as I've said, and I have been mocked on this podcast, I love when PDD stays in their office. I think that that is when they shine. I think the limitations of four walls brings out the best of what PDD does that other people can't do. 
And I thought this sketch where Dakota comes in and basically says, like, you know, you're not my cup of tea, you're not my taste. They start roasting each other. And knowing that obviously this is written and planned, that this is not improvised, they take shots at each other that are so personal that it just I we were howling at laughter. Not even at not just it's like, you know, when you're laughing twice, like I'm laughing at the joke, and I'm also laughing that they approved those jokes and then shot those jokes and knew like, oh yeah, we're gonna make fun of each other. So Everything about this was funny. I thought this was really fun. And then again, the PDD touch, let's bring in a little bit of the, just the crazy town of, uh, oh, you know, should we, uh, you know, Nepo truce and calling out the Nepo truce with the rings touching uh, just all of it. So I, I, I could go on. I want to hear what everyone else says, but I just absolutely love this. Yeah. Let's play that in case you forgot what happened there. Nepo truce. Nepo truce. <laughs> A, a foot, foot in the, the door, door and so, so much more. more. Oh. <laughs> and the moment where Ben Marshall like tries to go in as well, and they like are like, nah, no, no, oh. um, which right. is so great. So um, I, I I sent a message to John Higgins today, and I just said like, hey, like that was so so great. I don't think they realized like I think they knew they had something good in their hands. I don't think they realized that this was going to be some people's favorite. Uh, Please don't destroy, you know, short ever potentially because this was a very uh, tight, um, tight rope to walk, basically, where if they do this, and they are not lethal with it, it fails miserably. So you have to go all out with this to get it where you got it. And they landed the plane. So well, no, I'm mixing metaphors, but they landed the plane so well here, because every joke escalated. And they, you know, it, it got to the point, Zoe, where I'm gonna go to you next, where like, I honestly thought, that like they wouldn't go to the next thing and then they took it even further than i thought every single time so what did you think of it um i thought it was probably my favorite sketch of the night this was the energy from D- dakota that i was expecting because i know she's kind of like mean in her interviews she can be mean and like flat and dry so i was excited to see her um just be able to just be sarcastic be mean um and the boys able to like bring it right back at her and then also exactly what Rich said, like, they need to stay in the office. I mean, I love when they go on adventures. I watch the movie. I'm one of the 72% on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. But when it's simple, it's just them in the office, a lot of words back and forth. That's like the, the like, that's what I like about Please Don't Destroy. I don't need them to go on adventures and as much. Like, it's fun sometimes, but not always. Um, so it was definitely probably my favorite sketch. I've watched like three times. Yes, it is so, so good. Bill, what did you think of it? Possibly my favorite Please Don't Destroy ever. Uh, It's definitely up there. Uh, Yeah, as you all say, like just being able to go deep with the hits, uh, making fun of the movie, which I thought was a good movie. Sorry, I I don't understand what the hate is on that. Uh, But also getting in the meta, within a meta reference of the lonelier island, are they listening to oh. the podcast, John? Is that what's happening here? The, the fact that we've brought them up so many times in comparison. Uh, yeah. And yeah, there, there's so many good jokes in this. Uh, least viral ty- Taylor Swift video ever uh, to, to point all the way back to Three Sad Virgins. So uh, just a lot of really good stuff here. Being able to poke fun at yourself on this level and Dakota being game for that, too, uh, was was fantastic. Yeah. And this is well earned, right? Like you don't get to do this 
pre-tape when it's the first PDD pre-tape that they do on the show. 25 pre-tapes in now that we've seen live on the show, you get this earned the same way that the digital shorts earned the 100th digital short, you know, where you have all the characters come back. Like this is part of, um, you know, the head eating its tail type of thing. And, and I think that that is fun here where they did it in a way that wasn't like uh, too celebratory. They, they actually just went in a way that was pretty savage, which I think works here. Like Bill, you did uh, mention the Lonely Island line, this one. I've always wanted to meet the Lonelier Island. And that's when I think where they take that first step. And then when you get to the whole Nepo truce, like the- Is daddy who you call to get your job? Like that's when you get, okay, now we're like, now we're getting into it. Like now we're talking about what everyone's saying in the Instagram comments. And then they like take it to the point where they're like, okay, how are we going to like land this? And it's when they take it a little bit too far and then decide to walk it a step back. I'm going to change the cue card. So you say the N word during your monologue. <laughs> and like John Higgins being like, and everyone's like, yeah, it's just like that, that to me, I think was just a very interesting turn on the sketch where it wasn't just like walking up the stairs the entire time. It was like, oh, okay, no, we can't do that. And I think that was what was fun with it here. So uh, Rich, let me give you the final word on your sketch that you chose. Yeah, I mean, it, it, everything you guys said and the willingness to make fun of themselves, because it's one thing to just make fun of, oh, we're taking a line from a movie, you know, the title of your movie and making a joke at it. But when she went after their movie, not only did she showed that their Rotten Tomato score is 42%, that's the actual Rotten Tomato score of their movie. And you know, they wrote that. So like their willingness to take such deep cuts at themselves beyond kind of surface level stuff was great. I also want to quickly say before we move on, we always kudos to the writing, kudos to the acting. But with these guys, I also want to call out a huge compliment to the editing because the pacing of this and the use of silence to sort of take it step back and let it breathe before they ramped up again. And again, they're turning this around in three days, two days, sometimes one day. The fact that they edited so well where there were pauses and breaths that kind of get us really slow us down and bring up to speed was just so well done. I'll just, I, I do want to, great points. I want to throw something out there. Maybe it was just me. But did anyone think that when Dakota said the Lonelier Island line that Justin Timberlake and Andy Samberg were going to walk through that door and be like, did somebody say Lonelier Island? <laughs> I, I just I just saw it like coming. I just saw the dick in a box guys like coming in and be like, did somebody call us? Like, oh, no. Okay. Yeah. That type of thing. Like, that would have been fine, right? That, that might have broken our brains, John. I don't know that we could have handled that much. I, I think it would have been great. Like even even if they it didn't like fantastic. even if they didn't make the sketch about themselves, even if they just popped their heads in the doors and you just saw the dick in a box guys be like, uh, did did you call us? Like, nope. Okay. <laughs> so I don't <laughs> know. That's that's uh John's uh, wish list, but uh for another time. Maybe uh, maybe as we said on the 50th, we'll get the Lonely Island PDD connection. Okay. Zoe, would love to hear the sketch that you want us to talk about. Okay. So the sketch I want to talk about is Lost Bag. Um, because at this point in the night, I was surprised to laugh again after the book club sketch. Um, this one opens with Devin as an airport worker returning lost bags. Um, and Dakota and Michael Longfellow come in as a new couple who just met on a crazy trip. Um, Devin is playing a goofy character who I think in any other timeline would have obviously been played um, by Keenan. Um, and he says funny things like repeatedly calling... Um, 
Dakota misses Vanessa and acting like they're on a phone call and reveal uh, revealing crazier things from her bag, like diarrhea pills and reading her diary. Um, I thought I chose this sketch because I wanted to talk about the relationship between Keenan and Devin and how what, what that has to mean. Like, you know, like Devin has been growing up watching Keenan on um, Good Burger and Keenan and Cal and SNL. And I feel like that he is must have and has to and so obvious in the sketch that he's been an inspiration for him and for his comedy. I just think it's so sweet um, that they get to work together. Um, I loved what I saw from Devin. I want them to let him grow more and give him more time to shine and give us characters and like be confident in him. Um, although like I say this all about Keenan and how sweet it is to see them there. We didn't need Keenan really. Like I wish they would have let Devin stand on his own legs in this one and I also really wish that they would have given um, Dakota something more to do or just like less focus on her or find a way to escalate it more but then again I think that might come with growing confidence in Devin and his uh, comedic abilities to carry a sketch on his own like that but that's why I wanted to talk about it I just thought it was sweet it made my, my heart feel warm to see them together even though I was like get out of here Keenan. <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually resonate a lot with what you said, uh, Zoe, because my thought on Saturday was just like, I am so thrilled for Devin Walker that he gets an opportunity to play a character here. The character was in was, was okay, like the character was fine. Um, but I, I also sort of felt like the character didn't need Keenan to have like the father version of the character. Um, I do understand the the larger, you know, implications of having, you know, uh, Devin Walker, who may have idolized Keenan at a certain point. Uh, I'm not sure of that. But but if that is the case, you know, I can understand, you know, where there would be some sort of, um, you know, connection to putting him in a sketch, a big sketch for Devin Walker, who did, uh, Devin did help write the sketch. Um, but yeah, I, I really did think that there was something here with Devin. I, the sketch itself for me, I don't know that I love, but I did like the character, I think, more than the sketch. So, Bill, I'm curious what you thought of the Lost Bag sketch. Yeah, same. I mean, for the time of the night that it was on, it was fine. Uh, not a lot of there there. But, uh, yeah, I, that was the first thing I thought when I saw it. It was very Keenan-esque, uh, seeing him come out and do this character. Uh, as I said earlier, like, Devin has had a really good couple of weeks, and I really hope that's a sign of things to come for the rest of the season. Uh, so to get see him do a fresh character, uh, my favorite part of this was uh, kind of the meta-ness of making the ISIS reference. You think I'm an ISIS. So kind of bringing it all the way back to the very first sketch that she was in in 2015 felt like a little nod to the longtime fans of the show. So, uh, yeah, it was fine uh, and good for Devin. I want to... I want to come back to that after I get Rich's thoughts on the sketch, because I, I have a point that I, I have a general question for all of you and people in the audience as well about making that joke. So, uh, Rich, what do you think of the sketch first, Lost Bag? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with, I think, everything you guys are saying uh, very much so. I, I liked it. I probably liked it net-net more than 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 most of you. Um, I thought it was better than the very first live sketch of the night. If I would have switched this with the uh, with the waitress sketch uh, or something else, at least this. I, and what I'll say is, what I, re I, what I really liked is I liked the sketch that had Devin Walker playing a character that keeps saying the wrong or inappropriate things and is completely lovable about it. I liked that sketch more than I than the sketch of we're going to say embarrassing things about Dakota Johnson's character. So it's like I liked the first half of the sketch a lot more than I liked the second half of the sketch. And I hope that if they want to bring this character back, which I think that they should, that they lean more on 
the character of Devin Walker's, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, TSA, you know, security person or whatever that he was, rather than the game of let's embarrass people by going through their luggage. Uh, but I thought it was it was wonderful. It had a, a really nice feel to it, and I agree. As much as I love seeing uh, Keenan, I thought I would rather have seen more more of Devin in this. Yeah, I think the the uh, the problem here for me is I think that Dakota and maybe this was a problem with Dakota in general as a host, but Dakota and Devin's conversation back and forth can only go so far to still remain interesting. I think what was most interesting here is Devin Walker as a character, and I would like to see him continuing to interact with different people. So my thing was like, I thought this would be people continuously coming in and out of the baggage claim area, and then we would get to see it um, a la like a target lady where like different people are coming in, and then he is is that you know crazy you know wacky character there that is something that i think would have really worked for the sketch but i think that sort of the relationship between michael longfellow and dakota's character was like a second idea that they had there that i don't know that the two really came together so that's maybe where my hesitation was um but what i thought was interesting about this isis line and it it goes back to something that i've been thinking about a lot over the last few weeks as i've been going through um some old episodes of snl just to check some statistic stuff is like you know, Rich, you mentioned earlier that SNL right now like is so just made for like clips and the moments and they're not made as episodes as a whole. And we constantly hear about the reason that they don't have recurring sketches as much as they used to is because most of SNL is consumed in short bursts. So if you would have like a runner throughout the night or sketches continuously coming back. It's not like that many people are staying up to 1130 and watching it live. I guess the calculus in terms of the production cycle has just changed at this point compared to what it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. But then you make an ISIS joke in this sketch and like, how many people actually get it? So like our, like I'm just, my question is, what are the rules of 2024 SNL? If, is it like we're not allowed to do recurring sketches where you're not going to see Samson Gibson in a bunch of sketches throughout now to the end of the season, but we're allowed to give a throwaway line just for the fans? Like, is that what we should expect now as fans of the show? Rich, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I feel like that that is a playing to the back of the room line. And I do think it's it's fan service. It's, you know, it's... A, because I think the writers are fans of the show and they just enjoy it. But I also do think it's for us. And and it's not that it's calculated, but the net result is let's give the diehard fans a nice Easter egg that we can enjoy together, meaning us and the writers and the performers together. But it is not no one is going to decide what they think of that sketch based on that line. It is it is a throwaway. So it's only value add for the person who doesn't get it. But but it but, you know, uh, you know, but I'm sorry, it's value add for the people like us who get it. It doesn't take away from the sketch where, you know, if it was reliant on, you know, what this sketch is, then it then there's a real cost for the people who don't get it. Yeah, because I would I would love to see one if not two more samson sketches between now and the end of the year just to give this character a shot like give him a chance for like devin to have a hit character to go with it to have you know kids who watch saturday night live cling on to you know devin walker as a person and as a character and i i just i feel like they they completely given up on that but they're still for some reason like very much okay with doing those lines to the back of the room so the the, the concept of like Playing for the back of the room with a throwaway line of a joke that happened 10 years ago versus not doing recurring characters to me is a little contradictory. So it's just it's just interesting to think about in a way. What is also strange is we're in a time where they are very much under-indexing on bringing back repeating characters of cast members and yet very much over-indexing on bringing back sketches that were in a guest host's previous 
uh, episode. So we're seeing a lot more like, oh, we're doing the poster sketch with with Emma Stone when I don't know that anyone loved it the first time. So it's a weird calculus around that. Zoe, I want to get your thoughts on this because you do fall into the demographic of somebody who is more likely to watch SNL in short bursts versus episode after episode. Yeah, if we want to talk about the ISIS joke specifically, I didn't get it when I watched it on this episode. I was like, ISIS? Why are we talking about ISIS? Um, but and with context, I mean, they have to give jokes for the people who are going to make a podcast about SNL. They have to be something for the die hard fans. But also, there, it makes no sense that they don't want to do reoccurring characters because every week you have a different host, a different celebrity, a different audience brought in. Um, and then if it's funny, it's funny. It's going to go viral, even if they did the same thing two weeks ago. Fair enough. I, I could buy that, like, hey, the show is just made for the like for people to consume it differently than it was before. But when we get jokes like this, I'm not complaining. I love every minute when they do a joke about a sketch that happened 10 years ago. I'm just like, why this and not that? So, Bill, let me get your thoughts on that before we move on to our next sketch. Yeah, I, I think the Easter eggs uh, is a better way to go. I mean, you're talking about apples and oranges here because I, I think the problem with recurrent characters is that if you watch, and we've, we've heard this with people who go back and rewatch the show, you know, how, how could they do Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana 20 times? In a, well, people weren't watching them clip after clip after clip. They were waiting weeks at a time to see them. And maybe the repeat didn't come on for another year and a half. So you may not see that particular one again. If you're going on YouTube and seeing Lisa from Temecula 18 different times, you're going to get tired of that. And the backlash may not be worth what they think it's uh, what's going to happen by having something like that. I would prefer that they do some recurring characters. I mean, we saw it with David Pumpkins in season 48. The, the, how great that was to see something come back like that. So I wish they would lean into it a little bit more. I don't want to see it go all the way back to the 90s with the It's Pats and the Stuart Smallies, but there's got to be a happy medium somewhere. Yeah. I wanted to have this conversation just to say to whoever is listening at the show, I absolutely loved that you put that line in there. So just feed me. <laughs> That's what I'm asking for. Give me more. Um, all right. Speaking of being fed, let me talk about the sketch that I want to talk about. <laughs> yes, I was so pumped that we got a Barry Give talk show uh, back on Saturday Night Live this week, the seventh edition of the Barry Give talk show. Uh, last one was in season 39. The first time was uh, 21 years earlier on the show to have uh, Jimmy Fallon uh, back as Barry Gibb, Justin Timberlake back as Robin Gibb, seventh time. Just just so exciting to me. I mean, this, this sketch is so stupid and it's always been so stupid because it's couched in the fact that um, this is a serious, for some reason, political show about two very nice musicians like for all accounts is what i understand is that the gibbs are like pretty nice people and they just take they took like this is what i this is the type of thing that i love is they took something and made it absolute nonsense and the fact that like jimmy fallon then took the character of barry gibb who by the way was on saturday night live the last time that they did this sketch and made him such an asshole is what is so hilarious to me in a sketch like it, I, I've shown this sketch to people like over the years and they're like, 
I don't understand what's happening here. And I'm like, you just got to enjoy the ride because the lines are so stupid <laughs> that it is, is great for me. Like, uh, and I, and I do feel like, was this the best edition of the Barry Gibbs talk show? Definitely not. But some of the line writing here was better than, you know, on a second watch than I really gave it credit for. Um, some of the lines like that Jimmy had towards Keenan, um, by the way, who, you know, they were on a cast together once upon a time. So, uh, here we go. You look like if Don King ate another Don King. <laughs> which I thought was great. Jimmy was all out, like full energy in this one. Every month, I will replace your shoes with an identical pair of one bigger size. So you think your feet are shrinking. I fear nothing. And then, of course, the, the, the piece de resistance here. I want salt burn with my entire family. <laughs> and I knew about the bathtub scene beforehand, and I loved it. I, I'm, I just gotta say, like, even if you're not a Jimmy Fallon fan, like, how can you not love a guy who's just going like 110% into this character, into the sketch? Uh, so this was so exciting for me. Loved every minute of it. Bill, what did you think? Yeah, as as a very not Jimmy Fallon fan, uh, this is one of the highlights for me with him. Uh, to to think that this has been on for 21 years. The first guest I went back to look today were Rachel Dratch, Jeff Richards, and Horatio Sands. That's how wow. long this sketch has been around. So, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. He had so many great lines. He was he was very manic, uh, even more so than I, I think we've seen in the past. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's formulaic, but it's fun. So I, I had no problem with this coming back. I, I love the goldfish line, too. I, I don't think you brought that up. But uh, unhinge my jaw and eat you like goldfish, and then they start singing. Uh <laughs> the snack that smiles back so yeah uh, this this was a lot of fun uh and talk about like the meta-ness and the super fanness of of snl how many times have we seen a character before they were in a sketch later in the night like for him to come out as barry gibb in the monologue and then we see him a couple uh, a few minutes later very rare i think in the history of the show to to have that kind of happen so that was a lot of fun for me as uh, somebody who's seen the show as much as I have. So. Yeah, and for what it's worth, I, I did not like that. Like, as much as I love Justin and Jimmy together, I really wish that I didn't know that Jimmy was there so that I can watch this happen and be surprised by it. Um, but did you so, think that Barry Gibb was going to, did they think they were going to do that sketch or that he just dressed up for the monologue, like on first watch? When, well, well, when I knew he was there for, well, I, I knew this was sketch was going to happen, to be honest. Okay. But, uh, but I, okay. but when, uh, if I, if I had not known and been a watcher of the show, if they had come out and did it in the monologue and then not done the sketch, I probably would have been disappointed, honestly. Uh, but I do feel like it just yeah. spoiled the surprise. I don't know. Rich, what do you think? A cynical person might say that knowing how the waitress sketch was going to play as the next sketch, they wanted the audience to know, don't turn off your television yet. We've got some funny stuff coming. That said, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, because I, I, I've seen every one of these, this makes me laugh so much. And you're right. This is, you know, it, you know. We talk about how the reverence for Justin Timberlake, I feel like, you know, Jimmy Fallon, because he's been so overexposed being on a nightly talk show and then also having game shows, we forget how good he could be. But I will say this is the rare time where for me, just for me, the star of the sketch is the chemistry between two people in a sketch. And for me, 
that the chemistry between the between JT and 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 um and Jimmy was so palpable, so fun, and like just looking at each other and kind of the timing of when to jump in on the songs, when to milk. I thought it was so fun. It this sketch makes no sense. If you are too young to remember this, this is basically just the white version of what up with that. And uh, but the two of them together are just so good, and I I could have watched that for another ten minutes. Yeah, you are right. And it is very rare like to find a host-cast member combination where the chemistry clicks right away. And that happened between Justin and Jimmy in 2003. And you got to see it for, I guess, 21 years now. So let's get Zoe's opinion on this sketch. Zoe, I'm so curious what you thought of it. Okay, first, John, I have to say, um, I'm happy for you that this exists because I know it's Thank important you. to you. So I'm happy that it exists for you. Um, but Honestly, to me, this was a Jimmy Fallon jump scare. Like, I didn't know what was going on. It was too much. Um, and I didn't have the deep history. I went back and I watched an old one. And I was like, okay, Justin Timberlake, weird teeth. I'm not understanding. Um, I didn't laugh until they talked about Bluey. But that's just because I have seen, as an educator, I've seen a lot of episodes of Bluey. And I understand you have to be a real man if you're... Or, you're a real if you're not a real man you're not crying at bluey uh so i mean i don't know i'm happy for you i'm happy Thank for you. justin and jimmy i'm glad that they're besties um uh, but i could have gone without it to be honest i'm sorry no that's okay so basically here <laughs> let, me, let me just let me just explain this because i know we have a lot of listeners that are like of zoe's demographic so for me like this you may be listening and feel like the same thing and you know, the thing about this sketch and, and its original machinations, like, you know, Justin and Jimmy, they're born in like the early 80s, right? So like for them, like they grew up like, you know, in households where like people were listening to like disco music and stuff like that. And like they obviously, you know, Justin like loves all different types of music. And the concept here of like taking these two, like celebrity band family and then putting them in the sketch is so bizarre. Like it's almost like a, it's really like dated and like the type of sketch here is something you would like never see nowadays. But as close as we can get zoe would be as if like you know cast members now were making fun of like really popular figures from like 10 years ago and i guess now like you know the the bgs are like you know it's, this is like something from like 50 years ago versus like you know 10 years ago so it, it is a or to 20 or 30 when this first premiered so it becomes like more and more dated and like, you know, not everybody in the sketch is even still alive. So in real life, so, you know, it is, uh, it is something that is really hard, I think, to comprehend on watching this on a first watch that like this for me is like as much fan service as you can possibly get from Saturday Night Live. Like you have had to watch this sketch before or just love Justin and Jimmy to love this sketch. And, uh, you know, for me, that's why I liked it. I can tell you the only thing I absolutely hated in this sketch was Dakota Johnson being in this sketch. I think there was absolutely no reason for her to be there. She looked out of place and awkward in this whole thing. They just threw her in because she's the host, but they didn't have to do that. And I think this sketch would have been much better served for having another cast member there. Rich, what do you think of that? I think it, I think it would have been disrespectful to not have her there. Really? I feel like, it, yeah, just me, just my, because she is the guest host. They didn't give her much because that's the nature of this kind of what up with that role that any cast member is going to play if you're not one of the two leads. But I almost felt like especially, yeah, yeah, for me, I, I felt like she needed to be there. So at least we're anchoring and this is still a Dakota Johnson episode, even if she's game enough to take a back seat. 
Yeah, I just think you that were just me. You're fine. That's fine. But you're just opening yourself up to like the the, the thing that you may have been. Maybe SNL didn't care, and maybe Dakota didn't care. But you're opening yourself up to everybody who was concerned that the musical guest was going to take over the show. Was this was that because like you know at the end, which like again like one of the funniest parts of this sketch to me is the ending where they're singing the like like talking it up, and then they're both dancing, and like the stupidity of them like close to the camera where they're like moving their heads forward and stuff like that um, is again like a very like seventies like dance thing. And Dakota Johnson just being in the back, like slowly clapping her hands, like just was very awkward. Throw, when we're when everyone else is waiting, I'll I'll throw in a thought about what they could have done with Dakota Johnson that I think would have been fairer to her. But I'll let everyone else go first. Okay, Bill, what do you think? Yeah, I, I she she looked awkward. Bowen looked a little awkward, but I, I wonder what his refer his reverence for past SNL is because I hope he real hope he appreciates. Having been in sketches with Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph, Jimmy Fallon, and uh, Justin Timberlake over the last month, like that's that's pretty cool. He was the only current cast member, non-Keenan, obviously, who's who's been there since this sketch debuted. Uh, so yeah, I, I I found him a little awkward in it as well, almost like he was intimidated by the situation. Uh, maybe he didn't get it either. I mean, he he's a lot younger than all those guys too. So. Uh, I have no problem with Dakota being it as far as that part of it goes. I, I think that she wasn't needed, but yeah, I agree with Rich to the point where yeah, I don't know that you want to take her out of it. Zoe, any thoughts? I just have a question. In past Barry Gibbs talk show sketches, has Justin Timberlake always been the host? Uh, no, actually not every time. I think... Cameron Diaz, he was dating her in 2005, and then I think he cameoed in that sketch. Okay, okay. Because yes. um, my question was just, what have other hosts done during this situation, and what? Yeah, I think Cameron Diaz in that for? case was uh, was just like she played Nancy Pelosi in that one, and yeah, then I she think, was in that. Yeah, and I think the last time they did this, Jimmy Fallon was the host, and Justin Timberlake was the musical guest. So like you knew that they were going to end up doing this together, um, but. Uh, yeah, and I also just say like um, I don't know if you've ever talked about this sketch at all in the past on the SNN, but uh, the theme song for the sketch, like the Knights on Broadway, like take on the sketch, is this not like one of the best theme songs in SNL history? Fantastic. Like maybe, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I think just, I think like that may be the bracket that we do next, which is like the best. We won't say SNL catchphrase, like we might do the best SNL theme songs of all time because this could be. It. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I was I was really excited about this one. So thank you for bringing it back, SNL. Here's what I'll throw out to you, John, before we uh, just because you read the Dakota Johnson. Here's an out of the box thought. Sure. If you've got JT, you're going to have Jimmy. You want to do an iconic sketch, but you don't want to ice the host as much. I would argue pressure them do an Omeletteville sketch, which is just as fun, if not more fun, and give her a chance to be a character on the street so that she could materially play with them instead of being an extra. That may not have been as fun, but I do think it would have been fairer to her and actually, uh, to me, a funnier reoccurring sketch than Barry Gibb Talk Show. So the only thing that, that w would you suggest that like she is the opposing mascot? Because um, or she's a third banana. Do him. Yeah. Jimmy's the opposing mascot. And then often we'll do. And then here comes a third mascot to who's got a lighter load, but it still gets a chance to do a little bit of singing, a little bit of stickiness so that she's not just an extra. Yeah. I mean, I love those sketches as well. I think she would have gotten 
like like that that if that was like a uh, football game like she's losing that like 70 to nothing like you know like she's getting destroyed like she doesn't she doesn't match up like it's a that's a tough sketch to do so i agree with you rich i would love to see it but i think she's getting like completely overshined in that one as well um but interesting thought what could have been there okay let's go around the round table one more time and talk through anything else from this episode we want to make sure we cover so bill anything else on your list yeah, uh, it wasn't great, but uh, you and I were talking just a couple weeks ago, uh, predicting what recurring things may come back. And two weeks in a row, we got stuff that was not brought up by anybody. We got Garrett from Hinge last week, and we got the big dumb hats uh, recurring this week. Uh, I'd love to see Heidi and Chloe working together again. I think this was probably Dakota's best live performance of the night. Um, and to kind of get into the the Stanley Cup uh joke of it all I, I think they had to find a way to do that uh there were some funny jokes here but it was mostly just not great uh but i do like marcelo coming out and then kicking him out and uh <laughs> saying he sounded like a baby on a tit so that was that was fun yeah i think that like again you got to credit the props department for all like the switching in and out and like the stage hand handlers for you know making this whole sketch happen it's a big production thing to to do this um you know again the sketch to me is interesting because it starts off as a like uh let's make fun of the white women that would be walking around with the stanley's cups and then it devolves into what crazy cup is going to come out next so it's almost like the game changes halfway through it but i did like this one more than the last one rich did you I liked it. I had the exact same comment you were going to make. I liked the first sketch about making fun of people with cups uh, and that craze that makes no sense versus just making fun of seeing cup prop comedy. And I will also agree with Bill, very smart to give Dakota a sketch where she could stare at the cue cards on live TV, not only her own lines, but see everyone else's lines so that the rhythm was much cleaner because she was able, because she doesn't do this for a living, she could see it. And so I thought her delivery here was much much stronger than other live pieces so fun overall fun too zoe did you like big dumb cups um i thought the premise was funny and it started funny and i know you probably know this but it was four minutes and 12 seconds which was just too long to be talking about a dumb cup for me as a dumb cup person i identify as that but it just felt long and it went on for, for like what felt like forever yeah, yeah, I feel you. Uh, Rich, what did you, uh, was there anything else you want to talk about from the episode? Yeah, just a shout out to, a, you know, a, a weekend update, Heidi Gardner, the 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 tarot, so inventive. You know, we've never seen that, anything like that. And as soon as they start, okay, we're going to do tarot cards. Again, comedy nerd, I'm playing through all the tropes we're going to see. And as soon as she turns over a card, that's the newsman. I'm like, oh my God, this is fresh. I have not seen this before. And there's nothing fresh about tarot cards, but it was a take that was so fresh. And just again, Heidi and the writers just knocked out of the park. I thought this was such a fun game to play with. To, to play with Che, so fun. Yeah, and I just think two things really worked for her here. It was that it was with Che and not Jost because we see characters like this, you know, make fun of Jost many times. And then also that camera angle where you're seeing the overhead shot of the cards was so like different than anything we're used to. So I think those are really to her advantage. And then this was just a very good Heidi Gardner character. I think this is one that we, 
you know, could have seen in her first couple seasons where everyone was like, Heidi is the new queen of Weekend Update. So uh, this is a great character, her Jan, Jan B character. Zoe, did you like Heidi on Update and uh, anything on Bowen as well? Oh my gosh, I loved Heidi on Update. If you weren't going to bring her up, I was. Um, it made me want to rewatch every Heidi Update a piece that has happened it made me remember like i really fell in love with her when she was doing the um bailey gizmer like movie reviews and it made me think like oh her and like michael che have such fun chemistry i was just like she's a star she i thought it was so funny from like her facial expressions the things that she said the i just thought it was perfect um and on um on Bowen as Ethan, I thought that was fun. It also made me think of the Bailey Gizbert and, or maybe um, like the bar mitzvah boy energy from like Vanessa uh, Bayer, like just like young boy awkward likes movies on Update. I was like, we need to see more of that and how we could play that. So I thought that was really fun. Bill, what do you think of our Update pieces we got here, specifically Heidi, and even if you want to touch on Bowen as well. Yeah, Heidi, uh, we've been clamoring for more Heidi on update and uh, new characters, and we, we got a really good one this week. Uh, I, I think her play with Che was fantastic. I love the, the button on it with uh, Colin being the catfish. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, didn't love Bowens as much. Uh, there was some funny lines. He made the most out of it. I, I don't think there was uh, a lot here. I did like the in memoriam when uh, it was just a blank screen, and he said, I don't know that anybody died anybody that died this year so uh but yeah i overall pretty good zoe what about you anything else on your list that you would like to bring up tonight um no the only thing i didn't say is that the the lost bag sketch it was a good use of michael longfellow's handsome face and dry humor so i just wanted to shout him out for yeah, absolutely. We need there. more of that. Please, please, SNL, give us more Michael Longfellow. I would love to see that. Um, yeah, for me, I think we covered a lot of those things that I wanted to talk about tonight. A couple sketches we didn't mention. I'm surprised none of you wanted to talk about... Uh, Chicken fongers. Not, no one had that on their list? No? No? Okay. Um, How did that make it to the first sketch of the night? Can anyone tell me how that made it to the first sketch of the night? Is it possible that uh, the people who decide that forgot to write down or decided not to write down the order and then just said the wrong right. order similar to the waiters? Is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was so excited when they opened on this because I, I was someone who worked in restaurants for a long time. I was the guy, I was the server, the bartender who didn't write down orders and I got them all right. Uh, never a chicken fongers or an Advil on the rocks. But uh, so I was, I was feeling the relatableness of it and then it just right over the cliff like Toonses. So uh, not a lot here. Yeah, nothing else there. And just looking through my uh, <laughs> my sound clips, no, nothing else. I did like Bowen's uh, Bowen's this line. Asian don't raisin. I thought that was a great like, great line from Bowen <laughs> Yang as well. I uh, wanted to bring that. Up. But yeah, uh, overall, honestly, pretty. Uh, look to me, it was a little bit of an inconsistent show, but there was a lot of highlights here compared to last week. So um, I thought this was a great roundtable to get to talk about uh, this particular week of SNL and just a, a fun vibe overall. I'm, I am enjoying uh, what we got here this week and hoping we'll get another good show next week. Before we wrap up, 
have our discussion, though, on this week's episode, let's talk about the MVP voting that we got from the listeners this week. So we asked you on social media every single week on Monday mornings, we say, give us some MVPs from the week, could be the host, musical guest, anybody who appeared in the episode, could be a cameo or two. So we want to get your votes. And uh, panel, I'm going to ask you who you think the top three MVP voters are for this week, and we will put them up on screen. So Bill, how do you think the listeners voted this week? I'm going to go uh, Devin, Justin, and Dakota. Okay, Rich. I, my, my inability to guess what the, what you, the social media guesses is amazing. So, but I'm going to go JT, Heidi, and uh, Mikey Day. All right, Zoe? Um, I'm going to go Justin... Uh, Heidi and Devin. All right, Justin, Heidi, and Devin from Zoe. Let me show you who our top five vote getters are from week number 10 of season 49. So Jimmy Fallon was the number one vote getter. I have to say, this may be the most evenly distributed uh, votes we've ever gotten. So just squeezing out number one MVP this week was Jimmy Fallon at 19%. I think that people thought that he really brought it in that sketch. I mean, we got a lot of votes from Jimmy today. So that might be a little bit of a surprise. Um, Rich, I'm curious what you think of that Jimmy in the one spot. I'm surprised. I mean, I will agree. I mean, he dominated. That sketch was like, oh, right. Jimmy Fallon's really funny. Like that was very memorable. So I'm surprised, but not surprised. I'm more pleasantly surprised to see PDD in number two. Yeah, so PDD is at number two with 18%, so just right under Jimmy at nine for 19%. So um, the first time, I don't know if it's ever, first time in a long time, we've had PDD in these top spots. So people were very excited about that this week. Uh, number three, we have Mikey Day at 11%, just squeezing out, like on a decimal point, Justin Timberlake at 11% as well. So obviously Mikey Day had that great moment um, earlier uh, with the home video sketch that we talked about. And uh, Justin Timberlake, you know, Clearly a very uh, big deal to have back at the show. Heidi Gardner's in fifth with 9%. So I didn't even read out the stats from this week, which you'll get into more on by the numbers. Basically, eight sketches for Dakota. Uh, Jimmy, two sketches and introduction. Dave Chappelle appearing in The Good Nights. Um, I'll get Rich's thoughts on that in one second. But uh, JT, uh, two performances, two sketches. And then Keenan, Heidi, Sarah, four sketches. So Heidi uh, gets the award there in fifth place. Three sketches from JAJ, two from Mikey, Chloe, Bowen, Andrew, one for Ego and Punky this week. Uh, Molly and Devin are our feature players in three sketches. Marcelo and Michael Longfellow in two sketches and Chloe Trost in just one sketch. So our MVP votes for this week, top five, Jimmy Fallon, PDD, Mikey Day, Justin Timberlake, and Heidi Gardner. Rich, I know you're a big good nights guy. So any thoughts on uh, Dave Chappelle showing up there? Well, I, I will recuse my opinion of his last special, which unfortunately I saw in its entirety. Um, but I will say I, I, I'm a purist. No matter how big of a star you are, this, this isn't a walk on. You don't just get to walk on the stage because you're in the studio. If you're not on the show, you're not on the stage. So if he wanted to play an extra in a sketch, then you can show up. But to me, no matter how packed the backstage is with A-list celebrities, you don't get to be on that stage unless you were in the show. So for me, not a big deal, but I was just like, no, that's no, you don't do that. Come on. Yeah, I was more like, look, I, I know like Dave Chappelle, uh, you know, a lot of thoughts on Dave Chappelle, but um, I my first thought as an SNL fan was like, don't just like walk up on stage for the good nights. Like I think Chris Rock did this once before. I think Usher once like showed up in a good nights very randomly. Like it has happened a few times over the years, but I'm really not a fan because it is actually like, 
it's not even just like me being an SNL purist. It's also like the confusion of people who like watch the end of the show and they're like, wait, was Dave Chappelle in a sketch? And then you like can't find him. Like the whole point of the good nights is that like, these are the people that appeared in the show. So it defeats the purpose of it. Um, and and add to that, it's almost insulting to us as the audience. Cause it's like, Oh, you were there, but you couldn't be in a sketch. Like, like, well, if you're there, why didn't you get to play? Why we, we you should have played with everyone else during the show, but you're just there to wave good night. That's no. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah, very, very weird uh, footnote on this episode. All right, let's turn our attentions to what is happening uh, next week of the show, a host that people are very excited about with Io Debery coming to host the show with music from Jennifer Lopez, another uh, <laughs> musical guest from a different era. And uh, someone has hosted the show a few times as well. But uh, I know like, you know, like people were saying, SNL, whatever you got to do, get Io to host the show. So I think people are very pumped for it. I see Zoe nodding her head. So let me go to you first, Zoe. Are you excited for Io to come in next week and host the show? Um, I'm so excited I could die. Um, I've seen everything she's in. I love her to death. I'm very, very excited. And she can do no wrong. Every sketch will be perfect. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say about it. I love her. And I'm proud of her already. Can you, let me just, besides the fact that you love her, <laughs> let me just ask for the, for the listeners who may not be as familiar with her work as you are, okay. what is it that we should be looking forward to? Is there a thing maybe that you recommend that people check out of hers? Um, well, you guys like comedy listeners, so you can watch some of her uh, Comedy Central like little clips on YouTube. Um, just any interview with her, she's hilarious. There's some like TikToks of her dancing. I she's got like the perfect comedic timing. She's confident in, her, in herself and when she's playing in a, com a comedic role like in the movie Bottoms, she's free and expressive and nothing like holds her back. And so I hope she's going to bring some of that to SNL and just be able to be um be able to be um open and hilarious. And I see someone in the comments that says big mouth like that's where you can look her up and hear her voice and her comedy in there. So it's just like go look her up. Go watch her. Watch the bear. It's not going to make you laugh in the same way, but like she slays. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she is a writer on Big Mouth as well. So I think if you're going to look for a couple things, maybe to check out this week is, uh, you know, Big Mouth. There's also Is the Bear, which is, you know, a huge show uh, that people were expecting to maybe see somebody from to host. And I, and I probably assume that is what a lot of the promotion is for this week is for the bear. Uh, Bill, what are your thoughts on IO hosting the show and the music from Jennifer Lopez? Uh, very, very excited about IO. Uh, maybe not as excited as Zoe is. I'm, I don't think I will die, but, uh, yes, I, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, the bear is probably the best show of the last year or so. So, uh, really good show. And, and her stand up and improv background is fantastic. Uh, she's been doing this a long time, so she's going to be a natural fit, like a Kiki Palmer, uh, or an Aubrey Plaza. So I, I think she's going to do great. Uh, J-Lo, I don't know. I guess Hoobastank wasn't available. So, uh, we're, we're just, uh, just going with it. I don't know. Rich, what are your thoughts on our headliners for next week? I mean, really what everyone else said, I mean, the bear second season, one of my favorite dramas on television happened to be called a comedy, but it was one of my favorite dramas. And again, you know, we, we talked about you're taking someone that yes, she's known for being in a drama, but she's a stand up comedian. She's an improviser. She's been in comedy. So she's been in front of audiences. So she's going to be very comfortable in front of an audience. So I think a lot of people won't, know, even though the bear second season actually did very well on viewership, it really for the first season was, was very under the radar. The second season, 
season had a huge viewership. So I think there will be a lot of people who are going to not be know exactly where they know her from, but I think she's going to do very well. And also Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, I wouldn't. I was gonna say I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Jenny from the block in a sketch or two because uh, I mean she's obviously been pretty prolific in her time at the show. Uh, did double duty twice, hosted another time very recently, actually a few years ago. That that feels like I don't even remember that happening, but it did um, with uh, musical guest Baby back in December of 2019, and she was obviously a musical guest her first time as well with host Alan Cumming. So um, you know just fascinating to get another uh, musical guest from it feels like a, an era's past here again but most of the attention i think this week unlike the previous week with dakota and jt will be on io and what she will do at the show so i am very excited to have her at the show and looking forward to all of that before we get there we still have one more show here on the snn and that is our by the number show on wednesday night we got mike back uh with victoria we'll be there as well so excited to have them back together sammy k will be on that show i believe as well so a lot of fun going through the screen time from this week i would say one of the more when i was looking at the analytics a little bit one of the more interesting snl episodes this past week for analytics so i'm excited to hear what mike is going to say about all of these stats from this week of saturday night live and then of course we'll be back for the hot take show on saturday to break everything down from the io and jlo episode bill thanks for joining us tonight where can listeners check out everything you got going on john thank you for having me rich let's not make it another three and a half years okay uh i can be found at bk love 73 at all the socials so thank you once again yeah you guys have some like justin jimmy chemistry going on gotta have you guys (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah it was a lot of fun uh rich thank you for joining us Uh, anything you would like to plug uh, no, if you're in LA, storytelling, I'm around doing the moth and the Grand Slam in a couple of a couple of eight weeks or so, uh, and online at Rich Tech. Thank you, Zoe. Thanks so much for joining us as well. I know you're not a big uh, plugging person, but still, thank you. And anything you'd like to say to the listeners? Uh, thanks for listening, and it's been fun talking to you guys. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, Zoe. If you never want to miss a show that we got going on here, you have to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and make sure to follow us on all social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, X, TikTok. Apparently, you got to be on TikTok to catch all the jokes on SNL nowadays, so you got to follow us over there as well. And if you did enjoy the conversation tonight, please give us a thumbs up on the YouTube video so more people can catch everything we have going on here at the SNN. All right. On behalf of Bill Kenny, Rich Tackenberg, and Zoe Walker, my name is John Schneider from the SNN, and I just have to do it one more time. We'll see you next time, guys. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.